Hi there, I'm Cecilia Koschkeni and you're listening to CSR Connect, the Optimize podcast, a place to discuss CSR, corporate goodness, and all things social purpose. Today, we are going to talk about gender equality in the nonprofit workplace. And to get some insight into this topic, we talked to Delphine Morales, who is the CEO of the European Foundation Center. Delphine has many years of experience working with the third sector and is one of the few female leaders in this field. I've, for the past 18 years or so, I've been working mainly uh, in NGOs with a human rights, child rights, development cooperation and humanitarian focus, um, among others for an organization called Terre des Hommes, which globally works on child rights in humanitarian and development contexts in 76 countries worldwide and with Missing Children Europe, which represents uh, national organizations dealing with missing and exploited children. And over the past, let's say, so many years, I, I've seen an, uh, a number of changes within the sector and an increased recognition um, of the importance of collaboration. And this against the backdrop of some of the major challenges that we're seeing, including climate crisis, but also against kind of a new a paradigm for collaboration with uh, the SDGs, for instance, becoming really mainstream in terms of how we look at the world. And with that, um, I increasingly felt that understanding how to connect the dots also from the perspective of the philanthropic sector would be a really exciting opportunity. Um, and bringing the learnings that I've had from my, wor my work um, in the NGO sector to philanthropy really allows me to look at how we can achieve more impact together and um, uh, continuing uh, some of the, the mission-driven work that I've been doing in the past. While talking to us, she gave us a snapshot of the main challenges of working in a non-profit organization. The, the work environment for NGOs in many cases is really challenging. Um, and there I'm talking mostly about fundraising organizations for which the financial stability obviously is, is often not guaranteed and demands on often very motivated and dynamic staff can be tremendously high, coming, which comes with a, a, a mental health issue, uh, a cost for some of the staff members and, uh, and potentially makes it difficult to retain staff and talent uh, on the longer term. Then there was another challenge that I think is worthwhile mentioning, which focuses, which is of specific concern for northern INGOs, um, which have seen a, a really challenging situation over the past couple of years. If you look at the, the, the northern INGO sector, um, you would see that there's been a moderate growth um, from in terms of the income between 2003 to 2007, which was followed by a quite rapid growth uh, between 2008 to 2015, which was followed by quite a striking plateau, and from 2016 onwards, a decline in growth. And with that, we've seen over the past years that the, the sector has um, increasingly been uh, under scrutiny, um, and hence it has really been facing quite some difficult years, um, which of course haven't uh, improved um, with the COVID-19 situation. So, so maybe just to, to, to quote, mention a last challenge, which I referred to already, which is exactly the pandemic and how the pandemic um, has increased some of the challenges that the NGO sector is facing. 
Um, among others, the ability to fundraise has been challenged uh, because of the pandemic. Um, and beyond that, I think what's of most importance is that the challenges, the societal challenges, which are addressed by nonprofits, including inequality, climate change, etc., um, have actually been really on the rise over the past decades, with some of them really accelerated quite dramatically because of the pandemic. Um, so what we've seen from the perspective of foundations and the philanthropic sector is that these organizations have adapted quite rapidly to the increasing needs because of the pandemic. Um, and that has included an acceleration in collaboration between grantees and um, foundations, between foundations themselves, um, more of an intersectional approach towards the issues tackled by grantees, etc. So, so yeah, a, a very diverse and vast uh, sector with many challenges um, and a, I think a need for us to collaborate to really address the many challenges that are faced by society today. As you can see, Delphine has a lot of experience with the nonprofit world and many interesting insights. But according to her, being the first woman to lead the European Foundation Center is still the main topic when people address her curriculum. It is interesting to see that um, me being the first woman to lead the EFC, something that has been attracting quite a bit of, of uh, attention, which I would hope would not be an issue. The fact that I'm a woman or not shouldn't really be something that um, raises as much interest as it has. Um, and, and I'm not the only one because we've seen that uh, quite a few women have been um, taking on leadership positions within the sector. But, but this being said, of course, on a, on a kind of faster scale, uh, research does show persistently that while the situation has improved, um, the background and context uh, for most women still includes obstacles with regard to career progression. Um, we still see that in many sectors there continues to be income inequality, um, which then also increases poverty of women as they grow older. Um, with that, we also see that women often pay the price for the challenging work-life balances that our societies face, and, um, and that there is actually still quite a bit of work to do around that. Um, and, and unfortunately, we see that this hasn't improved during the pandemic, and uh, quite on the contrary, we see that women um, and working mothers were among the groups that uh, struggled during the pandemic, especially with, with homeschooling children. Um, but whether you are a different leader because you are a female or a man, um, you know, from that perspective, I do believe that men um, are just as well equipped to be uh, fantastic advocates for diversity, equity and inclusion as, as women would be. And, and, and that men too can embody what is often referred to as feminist leadership, so, so which would be characterized by care and inclusion, respect, sharing power, and all of that. And I've seen men um, do that really fantastically well. So, um, so I'm really hopeful from that perspective that we uh, are moving forward to something, um, a situation where the fact that a woman or a man leads an organization would become uh, less of an issue uh, because we would all be embracing that um, approach towards uh, equity, diversity and inclusion in, uh, in, in the same way. She also mentioned that although gender equality is sometimes achieved in the staff level, there is still much to be done when it comes to leadership roles. Well, I think what, what, we, what we know from our work is that while gender equality um, in philanthropy organizations is achieved at staff level, and that's also what you're referring to, 
It's not necessarily the case at the leadership level. Um, this is not something that is unusual or unique to philanthropy organization. In fact, the previous sector that I was part of, the, the INGO sector, faced a similar situation where you had 70% of the staff that was women and only 30% of the leadership that was women. Um, we don't have data for the whole of Europe in terms of philanthropy um, with regard to leadership versus staff, but we do have an example from uh, board seats and director positions at Swiss foundations, where indeed similarly you would see that only 30% of board seats and director positions are filled by women. Um, and this is something that within the EFC our membership has uh, looked into and we in fact have a thematic network which looks specifically at gender equality. And that thematic network recently initiated an assessment called Learning Journeys, which uh, reflects on and shares the experiences in integrating the gender dimension in organizational policies, in practices and in culture, really with the aim of increasing uh, gender equality. And so within that, you would see that there are quite a few um, points of motivation for funders to commit to advocating gender equality through their programs um, and that they increasingly also see that achieving and mainstreaming gender equality um, makes them better grandmakers and really helps them in achieving more impact. So that's, that is, I think, really good news. And with that, we've also seen that there have been a couple of triggers recently uh, which um, drew more attention, of course, to gender equality. I mean, for instance, the Me Too movement um, has enhanced the needs within organizations to reflect upon gender equality internally. Um, we've seen gender equality ambassadors within foundations push for this agenda and really keeping the momentum going around making sure that gender equality becomes a reality across the different levels of the organization. And what are some of the actions that you can take on your own nonprofit working space to have more balanced gender equality, you might ask? Well, here are some of Delphine's tips. I think what always helps is leadership that will embody and prioritize uh, gender equality. And with that, we have mapped out a number of elements that could be part of a change process that really leads to mainstreaming gender equality. And that starts often with an audit, a gender audit, as a first step to understand where the organization stands. Because oftentimes um, you would see that th there is no conscious reflection necessarily around which areas would require more attention for gender equality to become a reality. And then after that, um, once you have achieved that, it's also really important to undertake policy reviews. And some of the foundations that we work for, for instance, would create gender committees, which would then suggest policy changes, review policies um, from across the organization, and then propose a, a roadmap. And that roadmap really allows you to identify changes that can be made with regard to your internal policies, with regard to procedures, with regard to practices, with regard to, with regard to structures. And often one of the core elements in that journey would be, of course, around HR policies. And that starts from the way you advertise a new position to the way you recruit to um, having anti-bullying and harass harassment policies, to making sure that as an organization you have flexible working policies, parental leave, equal pay, all of this is really necessary as part of the human resources policies in place 
um, to make uh, gender equality a reality. Um, and then beyond that, I think with, 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 any, um, with any of these changes that you want to embed within an organization, you also need to make sure that you have training courses and workshops that help create that culture within the organization and um, share knowledge, share awareness about gender mainstreaming um, and making sure that you remain throughout that journey and beyond um, open to reflection uh, and make sure that you continue to collect feedback on um, how the organization is doing uh, so that you can uh, continue to grow. And if you're interested in knowing more about what is the European Foundation Center and how they work, here is a brief explanation from Delphine. So the European Foundation Center um, has a knowledge hub and our knowledge hub really scans what's happening within the sector and within the membership and produces very regular mappings um, around a vast diversity of topics. So, for instance, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be publishing um, a mapping on uh, environmental funding. So to look at where, how that's evol evolving, where the major trends are, um, what areas are currently underfunded, um, how has uh, environment become a more um, mainstream issues for foundations to to invest in? So, so I would recommend to keep an eye on our uh, on our on the work of our knowledge hub, um, which really provides for, for in depth knowledge on many of the areas that, that I guess you may be interested in. So, thank you so much for this conversation, which I've really enjoyed. Um, and, and I'd recommend if you'd like to have more information on our work or on what is happening within the foundation sector and the broader philanthropic uh, sector to have a look at our website, which is efc.be, um, where you will see many of our activities and the uh, knowledge and mapping and intelligence that we collect on a daily basis about what's happening and uh, where you will also see blogs and updates and news from our membership around uh, how we are collectively contributing to addressing many of the societal challenges out there. We will be back next month to continue this conversation on how purpose-driven organizations can take the lead and create a bigger positive impact in the world. Until then, be safe. This podcast is produced by Optimai. This episode was produced by me, Cecilia Koshikeni, and added by Santiago Tawada. If you like this podcast, you can also join the Optimai community at optimai.com.